Welcome to the show. It's Michelle Miao, your host. We have a special guest today and uh, a very awesome interview. I've waited quite a long time, actually, to speak to this filmmaker and um, and uh, more about her work. But it just so happens that we were able to meet in, in very special circumstances. <laughs> We've actually have gotten to know e- uh, each other as friends, colleagues. And uh, so now let's uh, let's welcome filmmaker, director, professor Cheryl Dunier to the program. Cheryl, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime, Michelle. Um, yeah, so I was just saying, you know, I, I obviously had been turned on to your work before actually meeting you, and then it, it just was so special to me that I got to meet you, um, and, and kind of now we're getting to know each other on a, on a right. personal level. Um, but congratulations on the re-release of your first feature film, uh, The Watermelon Woman. That is so, so cool. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I mean, how often do you get to celebrate, um, you know, something, one of your firsts, but then also something that's a first for so many other people, filmmakers, filmmakers of color, queer women of color, just lives to acknowledge the existence of people's lives. So that's the really great thing for me. It's like I put something out there that... um, it's about putting yourself out there, and uh, so many people have, you know, it had experiences with her, I'll even call it, because now she's 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, so the film is 20 years old, as, as you had just mentioned, and um, let's talk about the film very quickly, The Watermelon Woman. Some of us, it's new to us, some of us know or have seen it, uh, but pr- pretty much, as you know, I understand, it is the first film, really. So this was released in 1996. First film made, uh, directed, written by an out black lesbian. Am I saying that correctly? This is true, but of course there are a few foremothers in um, feature work, but not feature narrative work. So when you get up there with uh, putting images out there, there's a, you know, there's always a distinguished legacy. Michelle Parkerson, who was actually a mentor of mine, um, when I was a student at Temple University as a documentary filmmaker, and she made a wonderful documentary about Audre Lorde mm-hmm. uh, with Ada Griffin. And uh, when I when I saw what you could do and how you could storytell with truth and how truth is so connected to fiction, that's what really inspired me to make The Watermelon Woman, that, that, that ability to uncover a uh, path and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're, you know, people who haven't seen the film, it's a past that does or doesn't exist, but one young woman, Cheryl, 20 years ago, and that's the name of the character, has to tell and investigate that story. So it, it is a first, and, and it, it's so great that it's a, you know, a life that's uncovered and birthed in that first telling. Mm-hmm. Now... You know, this obviously, it's it's so funny because um, it was kind of backwards for me before seeing Watermelon Woman. I've gotten to know you personally. So now seeing the film, it's almost uh, as if, well, it felt very autobiographical to me. Like it felt like, you know, this was pretty much a page out of your own life. Um, talk a little bit about that and kind of, you know, the, the elements or the themes that really touched on you in real life and then parts of it that uh, were made up. Yeah. um, So the Watermelon Woman definitely has that level of autobiography because so much of my life as a filmmaker, my personal is, my political is the world that I storytell about. So I thought it would really be cool and because I couldn't really have a super fantabulous 
cast and, you know, whatever, because I really wanted to um, play with this because I think people need to play with casting if we're going to break the rules, but I didn't even know that then, um, was to highlight and spotlight my community. So my community, of course, always goes back to mom, and I actually include my real mom, who has since passed away, <laughs> Irene Dunye, in the film. As a variety of others, Bay Area people, Brian Freeman from Pomo Homos, Toshi Reagan, who plays um, right now uh, as a, she's a musician, she's a, 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 magician, a musician in The Watermelon Woman, um, Camille Paglia's in the film, uh, somebody I knew in Philly, so uh, Sarah Shulman, writer, um, just, Dave, uh, just David Rakoff, who was a, a friend of mine, too, who's passed away also. Ira Jeffries. I mean, the film just went for me as a way to highlight um, my community uh, of cultural producers. And so few filmmakers, I see, I, I understand, really do this in storytelling. They might do it in documentary, but they don't do it in, in, in weaving that into to a narrative of a film. So um, I, 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 and who else is going to put the spotlights on ourselves but ourselves? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, you know, just some of the, the key central messages. I mean, obviously, I picked up a whole lot, even though, you know, it's 20 years later, it seems like a lot of what um, was present in the film, The Watermelon Woman and your quest, you know, to find out more information um, about this actress, you know, who was an actress in the 30s who were given a lot, you know, in kind of talking about the mammy roles and uh, and then come to find out, you know, she is also lesbian. Um, and then, you know, you also cover racial issues. I, let's just put it this way. Intersectionality, right. which has become yeah. like a, 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 like a, an, a, you know, something as fancy as a fancy hors d'oeuvre word. <laughs> and <laughs> right. I say it like that because people kind of pick and choose when they want to use it. And it's become so popular now. But, you know, the, these, the, the topics that you covered, you know, uh, while it may seem like it's like the, flavor of the week today, I, I, I mean, that, that that has always kind of been in discussion even 20 years ago. Yeah, thanks for acknowledging that. Yeah, I, uh, Michelle, I didn't realize what I was doing then, but I was feeling it. And I think when we have feelings, we need to express them. So um, I was, you know, a young, out of uh, film school. I wasn't at film school. I was at art school where I got my MFA at Rutgers University in New Brunswick. And, you know, making my path up to New York, which was bursting with so much. It was bursting with um, Act Up activists, uh, you know, Queer Nation, you know, uh, definitely a Dyke Action Machine, like all these lesbians and gay people fighting for our lives on one hand in the street. Um, and then on the other hand, you get the birth of queer cinema. The mm-hmm. Tom Kalen, the... Jenny Livingston, Christine Bichon's producing all this work. Um, uh, you know, so you, you're starting to see these images come out there, but there weren't images that were including folks that looked like me mm-hmm. you know, or that had that sort of bent. And so um, I realized and, and just used this moment and this looking to, um, you know, tell this story and put myself in the picture um, and put myself, all myself, because I think that's what you're talking about, intersectionality, is that we are plural people and our histories are plural. So the Watermelon Woman really weaves this telling, and we know it's true, but it wasn't, you know, documented at this time that black lesbians 
existed in, 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 in so many fields but were never being able to be documented. So I do what the, you know, what we've all wanted to do is just, um, you know, even, even I'll say I did a little Beyonce lemonade. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, before there was lemonade, right. I, uh, you know, play with that and, and, and use photography as well as narrative filmmaking to, um, and documentary to, to, to make this happen because mm-hmm. we need it. And I, I guess it really opened the door for, sad to say, um, a lot of independent um, work in, in sort of short format, but it doesn't really kick off until um, T. Reese makes Pariah about 10 years after mine that we get the second, maybe even 12, the second African-American lesbian feature film. And it, it shocks me every day when I think about how you, black women, lesbian, queer, whatever we want to call ourselves, mm-hmm. um, directors get to, you know, pull the, and get into the zone to make their feature films or allow themselves to do it. So I really feel like this film is... Uh, a testament to uh, saying that you're allowed to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, re- I don't remember what I was doing in 1996. Um, <laughs> but uh, when, when you uh, released this film, I mean, and kind of just like looking back, do you remember, you know, what the response was like um, then? Because now it, it's it's celebrated and, and the conversation of even something like interracial relationships, um, you know, that's a whole new different discussion today than, than it may have been 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. Thank you for that one. Um, I realized I, at that moment had done something that not only queer filmmaking was doing at the time, but filmmaking, you know, taking a risk with regular filmmaking and, storytelling and sort of the formal aspects of storytelling that people weren't doing, you know, breaking the narrative down, using community, and um, integrating photography, a whole other art form, into the storytelling. So I felt sort of around that time that I was doing a first. And why I felt that is because outside of the kind of queer, you know, chick, chick, you know, chitlin circuit, as we might call it, mm-hmm. the, the lesbian gay film festival circuit in, in our world that we I'm so proud that we have. Um, this film started to show at regular A-level film festivals, Taipei Golden Horse, um, the Ber- Berlin Film Festival where I won the Teddy Award for the film. Um, you know, it just started showing globally. And when once that happens, you realize, hey, I'm I'm on to something. I, the world, this this sort of filmmaking, regardless if it's very specific, is is touching a lot of people outside of of um, who I am. So uh, that's when I, I realized I was on to something. And, and as we know today, 20 years later, um, it's still, you know, touching people in, in different generations now. Absolutely. Um, some uh, part, parts of it, you know, I get, I don't know if sad's the right word, but it definitely made me so, uh, so much more aware of the fact that, you know, while a lot of progress has been made, within the LGBTQ movement, we're still, <laughs> you know, dealing with uh, some of the same issues um, that you point out in Watermelon Woman. I-, I wanted to touch briefly on the fact that the film had a little bit of controversy. I was I was surprised to read that the controversy, uh, <laughs> you know, surrounded that very brief but beautiful sex scene, um, uh, you know, in Watermelon Woman with Cheryl hooking up with Diana for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk a little bit about that? Why it was sure. controversial? 
Definitely, no. Um, so you're addressing uh, in the film, Guinevere Turner plays Diana, my love interest, who, you know, is playing with a uh, sort of tension that we might feel character-wise between uh, a relationship between interracial dating, which I think is a, is a hot-button topic today. How do people love from different, you know, backgrounds? Um, so I brought that right into the film, and I included the hookup scene. Um, not to say that there were many, but there's you know, one of many in the lives of the characters, but <laughs> definitely. But that scene, because I received a National Endowment of the Arts grant, um, and because the Republicans who were in Congress at the time wanted to get rid of this you know, wonderful government support of the arts and, and promotion of the arts, that they, they singled out this project and, and really ripped it and, and pulled it uh, into the congressional um, debates around what is art. And uh, Peter, Peter Hoekstra of Michigan, Republican, yeah. stood up on the floor and said, this is pornography and we want to defund the NEA $31,500, which is the, the sum of my grant for, for its support of what's pornographic. And um, I'm so glad that, you know, and this is when you know where we are Americans and, you know, even what's happening today, um, we get uh, people having their voice, and that's all I have to say, um, that Sheila Jackson Lee, a Democrat from Texas, stood up and said, no, no, let's talk about art, you know, this is a bigger question here, art, art is plural, and it has many um, audiences in the film, while you're pulling that one scene, this film uncovers a black film history about women that that is never told so you you know let's 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 talk about this and let's take this back so i you know the film did bring up this discussion about what is what is art and and who's allowed to make art and what art art is about and i i never would have thought that you know my little film really um you know cracked open something and actually the nea doesn't offer that form of support anymore. I'm not going to say that I brought that down, but definitely the NEA got sort of reorganized and reassessed. Mm. Um, but it, it's interesting. And, and the other flip side of this is I was never physically rep representing myself, which I think is so interesting about this film about invisibility. Um, many wonderful sort of folks in Hollywood and, um, you know, in, and Congress sort of stood up for me, but I never had to stand up for myself, which I think is Interesting, problematic, good, bad, you know, but it's mm -hmm. something to note that, um, you know, here here I am still being represented by, like, an Alec Baldwin was, you know, uh, was fighting for me, and, you know, I, I, I didn't really say much. Mm -hmm. So that, that to me, is, is ironic. <laughs> um, gosh, wow. What an incredible story to attach to this, uh, this film, your first fe feature film. And, I mean, honestly, the only thing... The only thing that, you know, I, I guess you could say was cringeworthy in terms of the sex scene was the, the, the for me personally, I was like, oh, shoot, I think I'm going to see Cheryl naked. <laughs> but it was it was super beautiful. I mean, you compare it to, you know, fast forward to the L word in the early 2000s. I mean, <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah, no, I mean, it's again, it's um I think it goes back to looking at some of the, the feature films that I had seen about lesbianism, those images where I was trying to find, you know, what my body and what, how, you know, how am I supposed to form. We learned so much from filmmaking that um, I think mine was personal best. Maybe I saw that. And, mm -hmm. you know, 
seeing it on the screen and as a young person, you're like, wow, hold it. You know, these two women or, or um, Desert Hearts is another one that has a beautiful scene of, of women um, engaging and, and, and lovemaking. So um, I really wanted to, I thought it was really important to include a, a lovemaking scene mm-hmm. um, with a brown body, which we never get to see um, at all in a, in a very beautiful light. And Michelle Crenshaw, our, our cinematographer, really took extra time to um, create with me, um, you know, some beautiful coverage of that. So if you want to come out and see the film again, definitely <laughs> make sure you, you're, you're paying attention to the the, the the restoration around uh, the colors and the tones. I mean, it's a beautiful, warm scene. And oh. she did, she did some, we did some great restoration around that back, taking off the scratchy, scratchy, and, <laughs> and making sure that the, the color is, is beautiful. Well, I'm, I'm going to wind down here because I know uh, you've got limited time. Congrats again. Yeah. And just to let everyone know, the San Francisco International Film Festival is uh, releasing, I should say, the re-release of The Watermelon Woman. It will be playing this Sunday at the Castro Theater at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and you can get your tickets at uh, SF is.org. Yep. I'm sorry, S S. Oh, go ahead, Cheryl. No, I was going to say, don't forget that um, there's also a wonderful conversation that we're going to have about black queerness within the context of, of, of queer film. So Darius Bose, the wonderful, um, I would call him a black academic, mm-hmm. um, is going to be up there afterwards having this great conversation where we're going to definitely get dig deep into um, some of these issues. That is awesome because I, I mean, I, I had so many more questions for you and <laughs> time talking right. about your work can just go on and on and on. And again, I'm going to give the website sffs.org for tickets. Uh, last question for you before we let you go, Cheryl, um, just kind of, you know, in wrapping up this this word identity. I mean, obviously, the, the your first feature film. Um, there's a lot uh, there about you. And then now 20 years later, what are your thoughts about uh, you know, the black queer, black lesbian identity as presented in today's time, um, you know, changes? Is it, are we are we getting somewhere? I kind of had mentioned to you earlier that I felt kind of sad that we're still dealing with some of these issues and mm. it feels like we're just uncovering them, but I'd love to hear from you. You know, I feel like with, with, with media, the way it's going, we're actually able to see more identity world. Mm. And I feel like my film is, is, you know, the watermelon woman was definitely my expression around again the intersection of my identities plural and trying to make them whole in one. Um, but right now, we're able to see that splinter off into some really fabulous filmmaking, narrative, short, documentary, um, even media work in, in new media, web, hopefully more games, um, where people are, are able to play with this concept of identities plural. So um, I think the, the 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 hope is that these new identities or these new expression of identities within the queer spectrum get to have their their their, their cake and eat it too and, and make images and, and, and get folks out there to the theaters. We have the Trans Fest now, we have so many film festivals that, that are expressions of, of who we are and how we live our, live our lives. And if you don't see it, make it up yourself. It's a great point. That's awesome. Hey, Cheryl, thank you so much for spending some time with us this afternoon. No problems. Anytime. Bye-bye. Bye now.